who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair and yep. his ice-cold demeanor and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. My name is Sergeant Andrew Scott. Come on, guys, don't do this. If I don't get breakfast, I get real grumpy. I don't think you like me grumpy. And you go in pieces, asshole. Let's kick some ass. Hello, and welcome back to... I must break this podcast, the fan podcast, looking at the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Today, we're going to 2015 and discussing the martial arts action thriller Skin Trade. In this film, Dolph plays Nick Cassidy, a New Jersey detective who travels to Southeast Asia and must team up with a Thai detective to get revenge on the Serbian mobster who murdered his family and destroy their worldwide human trafficking network. Two shipments of girls, a month apart, found in Los Angeles Harbor. Go, go, go. This isn't some random crime. These shipments were highly organized. The girls carefully chosen by a group of very dangerous men. We're gonna make sure that coming to America was the worst decision Victor Dragovic ever made. Skin trades worth billions of dollars. You should have killed me, detective. Yes! Sophie's gone. We think somewhere in Thailand. Whatever it takes, I'm gonna find my daughter. No one with a heart can do what you do. That money is still money. Negotiation. No, no, wait, wait. Over. I'm your host, Sean, and returning to the show to help discuss this one is major fan of martial arts cinema, Ben Johnson, host of the Kung Fu Movie Guide. Ben, it's been a while. Thank you so much for agreeing to come back and discuss this one with me today. Thank you, Sean. An absolute pleasure to be back on the show, the premier Dolph Lundgren podcast. <laughs> well, thank, I, and I probably should tell you, you know, I've been wanting you back on for quite a while, ever since our yeah. last discussion. I mean, you and I were talking offline. It's been well over three years since our last discussion. Last yeah, time I had you gosh. on was uh, was Bridge of Dragons, right? Bridge of Dragons, 1999, I believe. So you're up to 2015 now. So. Yeah. We were just saying, weren't we? You're you're nearly completing you're nearly completing this uh, thing. So it's yeah, it's really the dedication's amazing, Sean. It's a great it's a great show as well. So thank you so much for for inviting me um, uh, back on and and for a film which is a uh, you know there's a few films, isn't there? In Dolph's filmography, he's sort of punctuated 
by these sort of more standout martial arts uh, themed or where the martial arts element is very strong. Bridge of Dragons, when I was on last time, was definitely, you know, within that realm. And I think absolutely skin trade sort of slips uh, neatly into that as well. So absolute pleasure to be on to, to talk about this one, Sean. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because when I when I wanted you back on, I was looking at his uh, at his films, and I kind of I kind of handpicked this one for you, okay? Because I figured this yeah. would be the best fit for you to come back, seeing as how um, I mean, like we talked about with uh, uh, Bridge of Dragons, Bridge of Dragons was pretty um, heavily steeped in the world of martial arts. So I was looking at his upcoming films, and I was thinking, well, what is another film of his that is very martial arts heavy. And so yeah. I picked out this one. Okay. I thought this would be a good fit because he, um, Dolph teams up with martial arts sensation, Tony jaw, who is amazing. Only I, I got to let the listeners know. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Interestingly, when I first approached you, um, this was a film that you were not particularly fond of. Um, yeah. so I do appreciate your willingness to come on for this one. I'm curious. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about your first time watching this one. And, on your repeated viewing, did you see it in a new light or was it about the same? Because I'll admit right now, the film does have some slight issues. However, for the most part, I still like it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, this is why I was I was initially reticent, actually, because um, the times I've, I've been on podcasts and even the podcast that I uh, host, you know, the, the you know, I'm a, I'm a huge martial arts fan, martial arts movie fan. Uh, and you know I'm there to you know champion the the artists and the great talents that work, but you know behind the scenes in front of the camera on these um, these movies because this is uh, a genre where you know you, you know you got to know know your stuff as well, and that always translates so much better on screen. So, um, and initially when I saw this film, yeah, I went back to my review. You can still read it on KungFuMovieGuide.com, and it wasn't very. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> very positive. And I think we'll allude to this, obviously, later in the show. And I would say that there are definite flaws or issues with uh, with this uh, film. However, I mean, I watched it again the other day. And, you know, there are, there are definite, as a martial arts fan, I would say as a Tony Jaa fan, you are you are actually you're getting a pretty decent showcase of 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 Tony Jaa's talents, I would say, with this film. And as a martial arts movie fan, if you're into Tony Jaa, you know it's, there's a, there is actually a lot more going for this uh, than maybe I'd given it credit for initially when I first saw it. So I don't know. Maybe that's the the benefit of um, hindsight as well. And uh, you know that's. Uh, you know, I hold my my hands up to that, but I do. I stand by the review in the sense that, um, you know, and we'll, we'll touch on this. You know, there's some there's some pretty weighty topics here, some serious uh, issues that this film is obviously trying to address, and whether it does it successfully, uh, I don't know. I would I would say it's uh, <laughs> probably problematic in that sense, but there's definitely more going for it maybe than I'd initially given 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 it credit for. I think you know I'm 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 with you um I'm with you partially I guess yeah yeah I would say um one of the biggest issues with the film for me is is yeah I mean it's it's making this social statement about the very real the very disturbing and the very problematic issue of human trafficking yeah. and I think a film that is going to tackle a subject matter like that and then also be an action thriller as well is yeah. Man, that's that, that that's a tough uh, that, that's that's tough to do. I will say, yeah. you know what I mean. Um, 
Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because you know it's trying to. <laughs> whenever a sort of movie like this, particularly within this genre, the revenge genre, tries to then tackle an actual serious issue, you you kind of have to do a double take and think, well, gosh, you know, on the one hand, you're telling me, you know, just how serious this this issue is, as uh, you know, as you say. Uh, it, it's also an issue that I know Dolph is very much in, in involved in. He's certainly done uh, work uh, with uh, certain, you know, organisations, charities around uh, human trafficking. It's something that he is personally, obviously, very uh, passionate about. And actually, you know, that was the inspiration, you know, for for the the story. But then, you know, you're also making, as you say, a sort of revenge action movie, which has very uh, problematic scenes. It features a lot of female nudity. There's a lot of t- uncomfortable moments where you're like, "Well, hold on, are you telling me what? What? What are you? What's the intention behind this scene? If we're filming in a strip mm-hmm. club, do we need to? Do we need to linger so long here on the on the on the female nudity side? And it, that sort of yeah, it, it puts it you in te- an uncomfortable place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it teeters a bit on being exploitive, doesn't it? Abs- absolutely, which yeah, is the very yeah. contradiction that it's it's a film about the exploitation of of uh, of people, you know, and people um, uh, smuggling, and it's trying to it's yeah, it's 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 contradicting itself, I think, in the way that yeah. it presents that that information. So you know, um, but you know, sure enough, I mean, if you just wanted to take it as a straight ahead revenge action film, it you know, it actually sort of fits a lot a lot better like that um without this sort of more serious <laughs> backdrop message that it's trying to get across well you know i've personally i prior to my uh to my rewatch uh, i had only seen this once and i've yeah. really been looking uh, i've really been looking forward to going back and revisiting it i think it's you know i i think it's safe to say that um that i enjoyed it more than you initially and yeah. In retrospect, as I look back upon it, I think that might be because I was kind of looking at it through rose-colored glasses, if you will. You know, so much of, uh, so much of, this is something else we were talking about offline, but so much of Dolph's films post-expendables were made so cheaply, such as the, uh, you know, the Giorgio Serafini trifecta. You know what I mean? So seeing a film like Skin Trade with a reported budget of nine million, felt like a breath of fresh air. I mean, I remember when I first saw the trailer for this one and I was blown away because this, I think anyone who watches this particular film would agree that it resembles an actual movie for a change. Okay. Regardless, regardless if you love it, if you hate it, however you feel about it, I think there's no denying that this is something that I could see going theatrical. Um, and I think it did in some markets. I think it might've had a very, very small theatrical release, but I could see something like this, you know, um, playing on the big screen, which I think was, like I said, such a breath of fresh air considering all of the things we had been seeing Dolph put out post expendables in that 2014, 2015 period. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, Dolph hired a, you know, a Thai director uh, here who who has, you know, clout within making, uh, you know, quite um, glossy, big budget theatrical releases. And I would say, you know, every dollar of that nine million dollars is is up on screen. And it does feel, you know, even the cast alone, Ron Perlman, 
Dolph, as you say, Tony Jass, Selena Jade, uh, Michael Jai White, Peter Weller. Like these are big, these are big names that you, uh, you know, in that sort of DTV market, you're you, you're not getting such a high caliber of uh, uh, cast as well. And I think that partly maybe fed into some of my initial animosity towards it is that you think, well, you had all these this great talent in this movie. You know, and this, this is what this, <laughs> this is the movie that was made. However, you know, again, this is now with hi- looking back on this in hindsight, you see these films since, you know, even around this time and since then, the budgets are just getting completely slashed and slammed. Oh, and yeah. You wouldn't get a movie like, I mean, nine mil, you know, what they do in nine mil here is a 50 day shoot by all accounts and you're getting genuine locations. I mean, my gosh, they're, you know, I think they're in Vancouver. It's doubling for New York, maybe. I'm not too sure. But uh, they are actually out in Thailand for, for a start. You're getting a lot of that, you know, local color. You're getting good um, actual location shots there. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely an accomplished movie. It's certainly, it moves quickly, doesn't it? I don't know if you found that, Sean. You know, it's oh, jumping yeah. around quite a lot uh, and it crams a lot in. And to be fair, even on the action side, you know, it really you know, it, it does deliver, particularly in two particularly big standout fight scenes, I would say, that I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll get to in more detail. So, um, yeah, in hindsight, you see the sorts of movies, I guess, that, you know, the DTV market is churning out nowadays, where you're getting two mil, one mil type movies and really short, you know, 20 day shoots sometimes. And, um, you know, what they could achieve back then is, is, is obviously a lot more polished than the sort of stuff we're watching nowadays. Well, yeah. I mean, I saw a behind the scenes, uh, a video that was, that's on YouTube regarding this. And yeah, they interviewed Dolph and he had been shooting this film for 40 days in Thailand. And then he was going to be moving to Vancouver. And that is yeah. just, that's unheard of nowadays. Yeah. I mean, let's just, I mean, a, a, a 40 day shoot is insane nowadays and and Dolph is is um unfortunately Dolph is no uh no different than a lot of the other these other stars but nowadays a lot of these films will have the main star whether it be Dolph Lundgren Bruce Willis Nicolas Cage whoever it may be will be on set for maybe three or four days and then what they do is they take those scenes and they sprinkle them throughout the film to kind of fool the audience and the viewer into thinking that he was there more than he really was but yeah I mean I mean that that's just uh that's just wild to think about. And yeah, I mean, if you just look at the pre-production on this, I, I always like to kind of go back and, and look at the pre-production and why, why this film was made for, you know, for example. And so if we look at, uh, if we look at the genesis of it, um, Dolph had actually written the script before the film Taken had come out with Liam Neeson. Um, there, there's obviously a, quite a few parallels between this and the film Taken. I don't know if you picked up on those or not, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dolph wrote this way before um, that particular film had come out. And what happened was, I guess, and I was going to play some uh, some audio clips from a, uh, a press junket that he was uh, doing when the film came out. But basically, Dolph had read a newspaper article on human trafficking. And so this really, really got him invested in uh, in in the subject. You know, Dolph, Dolph has two daughters. And while researching and filming, he became deeply involved with the CAST organization, which is a nonprofit group for rescued slave victims. And so um, Dolph basically 
He'd find himself getting emotional on set due to the film's content. I mean, so this is the the subject of human trafficking is something that is really, really near and dear to him and something that he really, really wanted to um, uh, not just make a movie about, but really bring attention to. I got two daughters and uh, they're both teenagers. And when I did some of those scenes in there, I had to, you know, you're on the sets three in the morning and you kind of want to go home. Now you got to do the scene where you see some girls you know, kept in cages, and you have to reach in for something. You have to find something to motivate you, and I used my daughters a lot, and it was a bit disturbing, you know. You really have to take it all the way for it to play on camera. And I really uh, stayed with me, that emotion, and that's the reason I gotten involved now with some anti-human trafficking operations here in the U.S. to support them. There's one called CAST LA Mm -hmm. that we're doing the premiere tomorrow in in support of uh, CAST, which is Coalition to Abolish Slavery and Trafficking. So um, I'm going to be involved in this uh, way after this film is, is uh, gone. How often does that happen? <clears throat> How often do you take something out of a film like that? I, I've never done it before. This is my, the first time. But I think it's because I wrote it as well. I was very much involved in it. You know? what, what's also interesting is when he was putting the film together, um, it basically when Tony Jaw came on board, that's kind of what got the wheels turning on this yeah. particular film. Um, I think was, uh, the original wasn't the original script I read somewhere was it was all set in Russia originally, wasn't it? So right. I'm guessing once once Tony had sort of got on board, and then you know it's made by a Thai production company, isn't it? So I guess you know then then they had to do probably another rewrite. <laughs> I'm guessing. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Basically yeah. what happened is Dolph was filming a, uh, a, a Thai Western movie called a man will rise. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. he's doing this movie with, uh, with Tony Jaw, And so that, you know how these things happen in Hollywood. It's kind of like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. So he's doing this movie called a man will rise uh, in Thailand with Tony Jaw, And that's kind of what greased the wheels and got um, things moving on skin trade. Because I mean, uh, with these films nowadays, it's interesting. I mean, we see this, it really kind of started in about 2013, but um, you know, Dolph, he's still a name that can be marketed to audiences, but at the same time, it's like they need a little bit of extra juice to kind of yeah. to kind of get it going, and so yeah, so they decided to cast Tony John the film. They kind of rewrote some things. Interestingly, and I was going to play a clip here in a minute for this as well. Interestingly, that um, that Thai western that they had been making called A Man Will Rise was left unfinished, and it's a yeah. film that sadly will uh, will never see. I don't know if you've seen any behind the scenes photos of it, but it looks like a wild. It looks like a yeah. wild movie. You guys have work together on this film. You have another film coming out or you're working on it together, I believe, in the next couple of years. Anything you can tell me about that? Uh, well, I made a film in Thailand about two and a half years ago. And that's how I met Tony and that's how we put Skin Trade together. That's the film. It's in Thai. And, uh, you know, basically you have to brush up on your Thai to enjoy it. But I suppose there'll be some subtitles as well. But that film isn't coming out here yet as far as I know. Excellent, okay. You, is it coming yeah, in the, Thailand? Yes. Uh, a Man Will Rise? Or? A Man Will Rise. Is it coming in Thailand? No, no. no not right now? No, not right okay, now. Okay, so you have to stick to skin trade for a while. Yeah, I remember at the time, I mean, who doesn't want to see that? It's a 1950s set Western with, I believe, Tony Jaa's the hero and then Dolph is the bad guy. Uh, and they even went as far as, I think they started filming or production or they at least did a press conference where they're actually in costume. They've got the fake moustaches on and they've got the, the cowboy hats and all that stuff. And it's well worth a Google if you haven't 
um, looked into that. Yeah, a, ma a man will rise. And I believe, yeah, you're right, Sean. So it was a sort of, you know, I scratch your back kind of thing. I think Dolph agreed, yeah, okay, I'll do this Thai movie with Tony Jaa. And then if you'll if you'll appear in my movie, this um, that eventually went on to be uh, Skin Trade. But, you know, gosh, it'd be, it'd be fascinating to see if they picked up that <laughs> a man will rise yeah. again yeah it looks fascinating yeah from, from what i understand it sounds like the producers on that particular film were uh, pretty shady as well yeah. and so yeah. um tony tony jaw was very very thankful to kind of get out from under their uh from under their yeah. touches if well, you will he so that's saha mongkul films in thailand who he so tony so it's quite a sad well i mean it's fine now with hindsight, but the the ins and outs, I've been fascinated by that whole um, situation with that production company in Thailand who had initially signed Tony Jaa on to make Ong Back. And whatever the restrictions were within that contract, it's really stalled his career. Because I don't know if you remember, Sean, but do you remember when you know, Ong Back came out and Tony Jaa was everywhere? It's like, my gosh, this guy is insane he is the yeah. future of action cinema and then there was obviously the sequels of on sorry the prequels we should say was such a disaster and you know went way over budget took years and that's where i believe the falling out or the contractual disputes started and it really you know restricted his career there for quite a few few years because i remember thinking gosh when's this guy gonna really break into hollywood and and have that career that you know he you know he really deserves you know and it's 10 years later and skin trade is his actual break into hollywood <laughs> in a way isn't it it's his yeah. first english language uh movie and even when he was making this yeah he was still going through uh court cases and um trying to settle with um with that the Thai production company so um he's free of it now thank thank goodness but it it really even threatened i believe the release of skin trade in thailand so even any subsequent work that tony jar was doing around the world you know he was in spl uh too wasn't he in hong kong he was doing um work elsewhere and it was subsequently threatening the release of of the movies there in thailand so um but you know thankfully you know he's he's uh you know in a much better place now obviously monster hunter is in the new expendables 4 movie his career sort of taken off but you feel that he missed quite a few prime years there uh where he really could have um uh excelled his career and been more of a household name probably than he is today as well sean yeah yeah. Did yeah. you see Triple Threat? Can we just, uh, can I, I ask you about that? Yeah. I love, I'm, I'm a big fan of that film. <laughs> yeah. I know it gets, I know, it, you know, it sort of divided people, but for some reason I keep going back to Triple Threat. Uh, it's on Netflix here in the UK and I've, I've watched it quite, quite a few times. I think Jesse did a great job getting all those guys together, giving all of them equal uh, waiting as well, and the fight mm -hmm. between Tony and Scott Atkins at the end of that film is fantastic. Oh, it's awesome! Um, it's just a great, fun time. Hey, and um, I was going to say actually, as a showcase for Tony Jaa's talents, and you know, he's in his mid forties now-ish, I, I think, uh, and he's and he's still kicking ass. You know, I can't wait for Expendables Four. Um, but I would say Triple Threat and Skin Trade actually is a really good showcase for for his his talents. Even though I know I was reading quite a bit of 
the reviews of this movie as well, and 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 some people were quite critical of his performance in the film, which I see it. I thought that's quite unfair. I think he's he's sort of he kind of kicks ass in this in this yeah. movie. I'm just going to trade quite a lot. So, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, Triple Threat, I actually uh, I really enjoy that movie. I think it's I think it's great. Well, and you already mentioned it, so I'll, but I want to reiterate it again. This film has an amazing cast. I mean, yeah. this is just an absolutely amazing cast. So if you just run down the list, we have Dolph Lundgren, obviously, Tony Jaa, Michael Jai White, uh, yeah. Ron Perlman, Peter Weller, uh, and Kerry Tagawa making this the yeah. third film that uh, he and Dolph have done together. Uh, I think fanboys all over have to just yeah. love the fact that you have He-Man, Robocop, Hellboy, and Spawn not only in the same film, but in a few scenes in the same shot. I mean, it, and, and, and that right there is pretty cool. The, the other thing that I think is, is pretty amazing, can we just say, Ron Perlman's hair has to be one of the mysterious wonders of the world. It is yeah. amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a pretty, it's a pretty decent cast for a film like this, isn't it? And um, I guess, well, I don't know, is that the, the clout that Dolph has over that? market as a producer as well you know and i guess if it's a passion project of his that he's wanted to get off the ground as you say for like seven years this was seven years in the making uh he's not going to scrimp on the you know getting getting the good good people in is he i guess um and and getting good performances what i would say as well i think as dolph as a producer because i believe he was rumored to direct this film as well um but but instead wanted to focus more on the producing side. He's such a generous, I mean, I'm a, obviously, I'm a big, I'm a big Dolph Lundgren fan, obviously. Um, but I love how generous he is, even as a director, but also, you know, here as a producer as well, in, in affording and spending uh, time, particularly for Tony Jaa and those fight scenes to actually deliver for the fans he's very conscious of the fact that he's making a martial arts film here. He's got Tony Jaa. Tony Jaa can do all this amazing kicks and, you know, he's just incredible to watch. He's in it. He knows Michael Jai White's in it as well. And they, he gives, he allocates enough time to really, you know, choreograph decent fight sequences there, which, you know, that's really going to sell the movie. And, and, and it's so generous as a producer because, you know, Dolph is starring in the film as well. He could easily have just made Tony Jaa, you know, <laughs> the side cop or limited his his role in the movie and just put himself forward. But, you know, we see, saw it again recently in Castle Falls. He did the same thing with Scott. He's got Scott Atkins in his movie. Uh, Dolph is more than happy to play second fiddle and actually, you know, promote the the, the stars of, of, of his movie. So, you know, I thought that was... That was really impressive as well, actually, Sean, just how generous he is, you know, as a yeah. producer. Yeah. Well, if we if we just, you know, dive right into the film and uh, yeah. and deconstruct the plot. So Lundgren plays Nick Cassidy, who's this New Jersey detective who's hot on the case of a, a Serbian mobster named Victor Dragovic. Um, when when we, the, the film first opens, it's interesting. Um, he's chasing down a perp who knows Victor's whereabouts. And there's a funny moment where he... Um, runs through a bar and 
stops uh, and, and grabs a sip of a beer, which, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, meanwhile, uh, Tony Jaw's character, we also get introduced to him as well. Tony Jaw's character, whose name is Tony, is a Thai detective who is attempting to purchase a uh, Thai girl from a group of traffickers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I love that uh, Tony's ca- Tony Jaw's character is called Tony, uh, which yeah. must have taken all of 10 minutes to think of. It reminded me <laughs> when they were they were introducing Jackie Chan film, you know, when he started in the 90s breaking into Hollywood, they would always call his character Jackie. Oh, Rumble uh, in the Bronx, which, it was Jackie. Yeah, yeah Rumble yeah. in the Bronx was Jackie. There was quite a few around that time that his character name was Jackie. But I guess it's also, it's because this is Tony Jaa's sort of English language debut film, I guess it's all part of that brand building isn't it you know you're introducing Tony you know, might as well call his character Tony as well um so maybe that was maybe that was its intention I, I don't know well eventually um Cassidy gets the drop on Victor's next deal which is at a dockyard where containers with uh, dozens of young girls are being sold um one of these containers is filled with uh nothing but deceased young women I guess they had all uh suffocated um th- this of course gets um Nick Cassidy in tune to what Victor Dragovich's entire operation is Cassidy also shoots one of Victor's young sons which um this really spurs Victor Dragovich. He blames Nick Cassidy for the death of his son, and he also swears revenge against Cassidy and targets Nick's fa- Nick's family in retaliation. What's also interesting, I mean, we we kind of see this. You know, we've seen enough of these movies to know what's going to happen. But uh, Victor is brought into custody, but he also gets released due to some bureaucratic technicalities, which, of course, uh, we, we get some scenes where Peter Weller is just screaming at the, at the ridiculousness right. of the bureaucracy. And then, of right. course, Peter Weller just kind of leaves the film after this. I, I guess yeah. Peter Wheeler was he, he wasn't he wasn't willing to go to Thailand, I guess. So yeah. he, he just completely <laughs> yeah. leaves the film. Yeah, yeah, he does the, he's the, uh, you know, the grizzled police chief, isn't he? Just yells at everyone in a couple of scenes and then, uh, then leaves. But he, he, when he's, yeah, he's in full, you know, full force. He's such a great actor, isn't he? He's got such a presence. Um, um, but yeah, and also we should just say, so that, that's, um, that scene that is, uh, you know, where the, the, um, the a people smuggling operation is uncovered and there is the death of all of those, uh, uh people in in that that cargo uh yard there that was actually the the true story that Dolph initially had read i believe in the newspaper around um people who had who had died through heat stroke and suffocation just reading it uh here this was a news report about a group of girls being smuggled into the united states from mexico so that i believe was the 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 impetus to write the the story initially was was that sequence there in that movie and then obviously you know it's it's been embellished uh, you know based off of that but i thought i'd just just mention that sean as well as that was the you know the kernel of the of the story i guess at the heart of it yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and um, and and we see this in the trailer as well. Um, I, I think it is a pretty impressive, uh, impressive sequence. So, um, mm. Cassidy's wife and daughter are um are killed. Okay, so you know Cassidy gets to come home, and we see that he has a very loving, um, almost perfect uh family life. We can say, and his uh, wife and daughter are blown up. Okay, um, in retaliation for this by Viktor Dragovich's men, they they basically fire a rocket launcher into uh, into his home. Um, again, y- you know, 
and maybe it's those rose colored glasses that I was, uh, that I was watching this through, but I've watched so much cheap stuff then around this period, mm. especially within the past few episodes that I have to say this sequence, let, let's just say it's, it's also disturbing as well, but I mean, it, it all looks great. I mean, it, it's, it's filmed practically. Um, yep. the fire and the explosions for the most part are real. And so th- this scene, I think is very, very well done. You did bring up an interesting point in your review though, that I want to go to that I think is funny to note. Okay. I, I do find it interesting. I agree with you completely how the film does not waste any time. It does um, take the time to show, um, Cassidy's wife. She gets to show off some sexy underwear. Before yeah. being murdered, I mean, you could say it's a a bit of a a, a, a trope of these action films, but um, yeah, it's one of those things. that's like wow, that that you that for a ninety minute film that was necessary, apparently. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just it reminds you actually of the trope back in the Roger Corman years, you know, of um, uh, how they would, you know, it, it was female nudity or was 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 sort of written into the the formula of a lot of the sort of straight to video action films, particularly, you know, anyone who grew up watching uh, Don the Dragon Wilson films, you you'll know it's it's it sort of flashes back to that, and you think, gosh, come on, guys, we're in twenty fifteen here. Like I thought, <laughs> I thought we've sort of slightly moved on from from this. So there are a few moments like that where you know, just as a viewer, I was thinking, gosh, you know. This um this feels somewhat dated, but I will. But as you're you're correct to say that the actual you know the impact and uh, of that uh, sequence of the explosion, and then obviously you know the the wife um, uh, the, the death sequence there was um yeah was definitely it didn't feel cheap, did it really? So you know it definitely uh, felt very genuine. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so Peter Reller's character, um, this is uh, C- Captain Costello, I think is his name. Um, so Captain Costello and uh, Michael Jai White's character, um, Reed, who is this FBI agent, they uh, they visit Cassidy in the hospital. They give him the unfortunate news that uh, Dragovich fled the U.S. after uh, being bailed out, of, uh, bailed out of jail. And so what happens is after they leave, Cassidy, he takes an opiate drug gets some clothing and just leaves the hospital completely unnoticed. I think that's pretty interesting. He just leaves completely unnoticed. Um, He gets some weapons and he goes to a, uh, goes to a restaurant where Dragovich's attorney is there. I, I, again, I, I, Looking at it through those rose-colored glasses, Ben, I'm going to keep saying that, but I yeah. absolutely love this scene. I mean, narratively, we can just say it right now. Narratively, it is kind of humorous considering that Nick just does not give a shit, and he has yeah. he has zero issues killing high-powered attorneys in broad daylight, especially yeah. blowing up a building. He just blows up the building. is is yeah. amazing. But I will say... I love the way that Dolph is playing this scene. I mean, it is absolutely awesome. He is strutting around, blasting this weapon with one hand. His character at this point in the film also has this wicked scar running down the side of uh, one, one side of his face. It is, it is really cool. And I will say, kind of going back to what I said earlier, I think Dolph here is playing because he's so invested. He's so invested in the uh, in the topic that uh, that is at hand. I think he does a wonderful job playing this role. He's a tortured soul who has absolutely nothing to lose. And I, I honestly think 
you know, considering that Lundgren has uh, also has two daughters of his own, I wonder if in filming in, in filming these scenes, he's almost pulling from a personal place, and not just this scene, but actually other moments in the uh, in the film as well. But I think it's very much on display here, where Dolph is like, okay, if this was his daughter who was in this situation, oh hell no, he would be doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you're it's exactly right. And I I went back and uh, watched a few interviews with Dolph, and I think he said similarly. You know, those were sort of tough scenes for him to. Uh, to to do as well but yeah he's he's clearly you know with young teenage daughters himself and then you know this this um you know very tough subject matter you know yeah what what would you do in that situation you know if you know the culprit's just been you know let off the loose and you know where's the justice in all of this and you know he just goes full-on crazy um and the scar on his face obviously sort of helps puts him on edge he's wearing a hoodie isn't he and he's all sort of mysterious and he's stomping around with his shotgun uh, yeah, I mean, it's good, um, you know, it's good to see Dolph just sort of, uh, you know, go a little crazy. Um, but yeah, and then obviously that leads him over to Thailand then, doesn't he? Which then opens up the second act of the film, I guess, uh, which is which is the, the whole Tony Jaa sequence. Yeah, I mean, and this is something else that you uh, that you touched upon earlier, Ben, that I actually included in my notes as well, is how the film moves so fast yeah. and does not skip a beat. I mean, again, if you look at this narratively, the last time we see Dolph's character Cassidy is when he's in that restaurant shotgunning everyone. And then the next scene, he's already in the airport in Thailand running from authorities. I mean, the, the yeah. film does not want to take the time showing him boarding the plane in the U S and going to Thailand or getting the money together to go to Thailand or anything like that. Nope. And the next time we see him, he's already in the airport in Thailand and he's running from, uh, he's running from Reed, the FBI agent and everyone who's after him. I kind of wonder if maybe there could have been, if maybe something was cut or maybe if they could have had a little bit more connective tissue there, but again, yeah. it's really not necessary. This is a ninety-minute action film, and they're just gonna they're just gonna speed through and get to the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. And then, should we say? I mean, I don't know how much uh, sort of spoilers do you do you do on this, uh, Sean, to go into Agent Reed and uh, Mike's character. Uh, obviously, when he gets to to Thailand, the the FBI agents may not be quite as uh, trusting. <laughs> as uh, as we had initially thought it's not okay to say oh that's definitely okay to say and yeah, something yeah, yeah. else something else that I want that I just want to go back to I, I'm trying to I'm trying to think back upon it but what's also interesting to note is how and if my math is correct I imagine some some listeners are gonna say no 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 Sean this was done another time but I want to say at this point this is now this film is now the third time in Dolph's career where he's played the husband who's off to get revenge for his murdered family. We have the Punisher, we have um, the mechanic or the Russian specialist, um, now this one. And then later on in 2018, he played with this trope once again in uh, in the film The Tracker. So I guess we can say this is something that Dolph knows. He, this is a character that he uh, knows how to play, and I, I guess we can say that he enjoys playing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think, obviously, Sean, I, you know, I bow to your sort of knowledge on on this with... with um, you know, the wider sort of Dolph filmography. But that's also partly why you kind of think, well, 
you know, if you're trying to make a film that is trying to make uh, a serious statement here, you know, why why fall back and rely so much on a on a real sort of tried and tested, you know, uh, revenge uh, formula? Like it's sort of it seems like it wants to be more serious than it than it actually is in in many ways so uh yeah but you know that is that is a you know it's a trope of the genre it's clearly a, a storyline that um uh you know uh, works uh, you know within the within the genre so yeah I, I it's it's no i mean you can sort of you sort of know where this film's going within you know within the first like uh, you know, ten fifteen minutes or so. It's there's no major surprises in in that sense. Is is there? That's that's fair to say. Do you think, Sean? Oh yeah, most definitely, yeah. most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and we can just go along with what what you just said. I mean, that was an awesome segue. So the character of Reed. So this is Michael Jai White's FBI agent character. Um, we find out that he's actually working for Dragovich. He's been bribed by Dragovich. Um, he kills one of the Thai cops and then blames Cassidy for the murder. I, I don't know about you, but I felt again, this is you know, it's fairly telegraphed. I, I think I knew going yeah. in the first time viewing this that Michael Jai White was going to be dirty. The film, uh, the film wasn't going to put. We'll just say this: the film wasn't going to cast Michael J. White, who is an amazing martial artist in the film, and not let him display those abilities as well. To be honest, I was I was kind of surprised that. Uh, I mean, I already mentioned it, but Peter Weller leaves the film. I was I, the first time I saw this, I was certain that Peter Weller was going to be um, dirty as well. But uh, but no, they yeah. they just they. Just, they just, uh, like I said, after about 15, 20 minutes, he just leaves the film. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, yeah, and it may have been because obviously, you know, Mike's there in uh, in Thailand with them. Maybe maybe they only had Peter Weller just for the for a very short short period of time. But I, I was I was surprised. I remember initially thinking because I'm a huge Michael Jai White fan, and I remember when this came out, thinking that he was sort of given short shrift. But I don't really know why I thought that because now watching it back you do see he does a few sort of kicks at the start in the initial raid but then once he's revealed to be you know in league with the baddies uh he starts sort of kicking ass as well and I mean we'll come on to it I'm sure but um he, he if you're a Michael Jai White fan yes there are better sort of martial arts films in which he's you know the star of obviously undisputed to obviously blood and bone they would the t- be the two that you should reach for immediately um but i would say he's got a decent uh a decent supporting role here would you agree with that sean oh yeah oh yeah i mean i mean and i and this is this is a slight uh criticism i guess we could say and it's not a huge deal but i will say i don't know if you picked up on it on your recent uh viewing or not but i will say um some of the dialogue i think is a little problematic i mean for (laughs) for one for one they they have tony joss speaking to his girlfriend in english yet they're supposed to be in thailand and i'm watching this and i'm wondering like why couldn't they have just had them speaking thai i think that would have felt much more natural and there's also some moments with the dialogue that it almost feels a little elementary at times. I mean, there's one scene where uh, Victor Dragovich is, he's speaking to his sons and he's directing them to which sectors each of his sons is to take over. And, and he's saying lines literally been like, um, Goran, you take over Eastern Europe, Andre, yeah. you take Southeast Asia. And it's kind of like, I wonder like 
first of all, I'm, I don't know, nor do I want to be friends with anyone who is involved in the mob or any of these, you know, dirty dealings they're doing. But I'm just wondering, would a conversation like that really occur <laughs> if yeah. this was going yeah, to be yeah, yeah. In, in real life? And so yeah. th- those were two elements that I, I kind of had to roll my eyes out of it. Yeah. And we should say, I mean, it's based on the scripts initially by Dolph Lundgren, but there are three credited writers for this film. And did you read that John Hyams was apparently uncredited doing sort of script sup- supervisor? Did you did you read that as well? So I did, I did. Yeah, read that. yeah, yeah. John which Hyams, is, which amazing. Is super interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, four people to write this <laughs> to write this film. I love the line where there's a bit in it where Tony Jaa finds this hidden camera where this um, uh, it's in the strip club and this guy, this one of the villains is you know, making some uh, sordid homemade porn or something. Yeah. And one of the, one of the exploitive moments. Yeah, gonna, exactly. Yeah. Which are very dubiously filmed. The intentions behind those scenes are very problematic, I would say. Um, and then he finds the camera and says, never underestimate a pervert. I just thought that was really funny. It just made, <laughs> it just made me laugh. But, you know, Tony Jar gets criticised for his English in this film or his, you know, the, his sort of lack of, of English. And I read quite a few reviews where that was called out, which I, I think that's just grossly unfair, really. I mean, it's not no. as if he's dealing with Shakespeare here as well. Um, and I think, you know, for a, for a leading role uh, for Tony Jaa, I think he's, I think he's great in this, you know, he's, he's got that intensity, but he's got, you know, real, um, uh, you, you know, he's, he, you know, he's really, you know, convincing, I would say, in that, in that lead, lead role. He doesn't necessarily need to say too much as well. Um, and it was lovely the bits where he is talking, cause he's got a Thai, uh, um, buddy, his cop buddy, who he does speak in, in Thai, uh, with. And those scenes are quite sweet, actually. And that's great to hear his actual, you know, him speaking Thai in the film as well. So, um, so, so that's, that's really interesting. I think it's a sort of rounded performance from Tony Jaa. I think it's, it's a, it's a really good showcase for, for a lot of his talents. Oh yeah. 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 Well, I mean, and the, uh, I wanted to get your take on, cause I think this is like the, the, the shining achievement of the film, um, is the fight scene between Dolph and Tony Jaa. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. this, uh, this is, like I said, the shining achievement. This is the real money shot. This is, in my opinion, I think the absolute best moment in this movie. Um, yeah. Apparently, according to Dolph's stunt double, Tony Messenger, I, I had the pleasure of speaking with Tony Messenger um, a few years ago on the podcast, and I asked him about um, filming this particular scene. And according to him, this fight was uh, was actually filmed in a real working wheat mill, which um, which oh, yeah. which yeah, which led to a uh, extremely messy day. You can imagine. Yeah. But this did is, they say how long? How how many days did they? Do you do we know how long they they took? It looks like they really. It's a quite extended fight scenes. So it looks like they took their time with it. I mean, I know this is still low budget filmmaking, so they would have been limited. But I fe- I feel like they put a few days into this. That um is definitely a standout uh, part of the film, and I love again. This goes back to how generous Dolph is as a producer and as a performer as well, because he is more than aware of the skills, the acrobatic skills and the capabilities of, of Tony Jaa. Um, he's also aware of the fact that this is his first sort of foray into a, an international, uh, you know, English speaking film at least. 
Uh, and he very much sets the choreography as much as you could probably say, oh, it's a draw because they're sort of, um, you know, Tony Jaa thinks Dolph's character at this point is a bit of a wrong and a, a renegade and he's trying to bring him in line. Uh, but you know that this is, you know, they're sort of testing each other here in this um, sequence. And eventually they are going to buddy up and realize, you know, uh, you know, what's going on with the, you know, the, the traitor in the midst. And they can work together to take out Ron, Ron Perlman's, um, uh, Ron, Ron Perlman's uh, uh, villain character. But um, I would say, you know, Dolph gets his ass kicked. <laughs> oh, yeah. Scene. I mean, as much as you think it's a draw, he, he actually reluctantly has to resort to, you know, firing a gun at the end, doesn't he, to sort of um, scarf us off. So um, he, yeah, I would say he is very much used as a, a bit of a punching bag for Tony Jaa to just all those wonderful things that he can do where you know all those Muay Thai knees and a lot of the flying elbows and then he does that amazing move where you know when he climbs on top of guys and just starts slamming his elbow on their heads like uh, that backflip kick as well you know it's all in there and it's just it's just great to watch you know you're watching two trained dedicated martial artists and where Dolph has clearly said let's really spend our time on on this sequence and and sh- and showcase you know give the audience something uh really special here so yeah i would i would say that alone and actually i enjoy the michael jai white fight scene between tony jai and uh mike later in the film as well is 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 pretty decent as well but yeah you're absolutely right a real standout sequence in this movie well, you actually, you, you've gotten me, I, I kind of want to go back and, and listen to my uh, my conversation with Tony Messenger again, because I want to say he did state how many days it took to, uh, to rehearse yeah. this, this, this part here. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's so fantastically filmed. I mean, it's an yeah. amazing sequence. And as I was watching it, it made me realize, you know, what I wish the fight between Dolph and Jet Li had been in Expendables yeah. 1. I mean, you know, I mean, I remember when Expendables 1 came out, I was so excited to see the uh what what the fight was going to be because that was that was one thing if you remember when Expendables 1 had come out, um even in its pre-production, that was one of the big things that um Stallone and Dolph for that matter were were really selling was the fact that okay, he and Jet Li are going to have a a fight scene here. And yeah, you know, it, it's a decently filmed scene, but what's interesting about it is, I mean, Sylvester Sloan was the director of that one, and I don't think he, I mean, this is a no discredit to him, this isn't meant to mitigate um, his his talents at all by any means, but I don't think Stallone really knows how to shoot a uh, a, a, a fight scene that requires martial arts for that matter. Yeah, and yeah. so when you watch the fight scene in Expendables One, there are just so many close up scenes. Okay, to where you really can't tell what's going on. Dolph really isn't even getting to do anything really in that in that fight other than use his brute strength here. okay, they change all that here with this particular fight scene. You get tons of uh, uh, wide shots. You know what I mean? Like the camera really, really steps back so you can really look at uh, the talents of both individuals. Um, Dolph, who is, I mean, we've talked about it, but Dolph, who is a trained martial artist um, and has plenty of skills, we can say, in his uh, in his repertoire, he yeah. really in his career hasn't had a heck of a lot of an opportunity to really showcase them. But here he gets to do this, okay? Dolph is throwing some kicks, but he's also really just using his brute strength in, show, in uh, throwing Tony Jaa around. And I mean, you just said it as well. 
that I want to go back to the, the, the moments that I love is yeah, Tony, he's using the walls of the mill to kind of get a yeah. height advantage on Dolph. And he is just using tons of those elbow drops. I love that. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you would consider that to be Tony jaws, one of his signature moves, but watching him do those, those elbow punches where he, where he jumps up in the air and comes down on someone with his elbow. It just looks yeah. so cool. <laughs> like, it, just the best. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I remember seeing on for the first time and just seeing, <laughs> just seeing the sort of, I guess the brutality of it in many ways, but like I'd never seen, um, you know, such punishing uh, sort of fight sequences before. And yes, I think obviously that was designed as a way of showing off um the amazing skills that Tony Jaa has, but they are certainly signature moves that that he he could do definitely back then. You know those those elbows, those flying knees. He even towards the end, you know that I think it's it's called Warrior King here. I think it's called the Protector in the U in uh, the USA. But the one where he does that kick, where he la- he lands. He leaves up from the same leg, then he kicks and he smashes out a street lamp. I don't know if you remember that sequence in that film. And mm-hmm. then the guy sort of like runs away because he just sees him do this incredible thing. Uh, he does that. I would say that's another one of um, Tony Jaa's sort of signature moves that he, he does that in this film, but that's uh, towards the end, you know, the sort of melee at the end, he leaps up and then kicks the guy off the, uh, off the truck. So, yeah, there's a few signature moves that only Tony Jones seems to be able to do. And it's just wonderful. It's wonderful to, um, to to watch it. And really conflicting styles. You're absolutely right. I mean, Dolph's a karate guy. Uh, and uh, there's a real, yeah, they, but as much as it's conflicting styles, like Dolph is still, you know, it's he's he, he is showing his own martial sort of prowess in the, in, in the scene, but you would say it is very much designed as a way of uh, showcasing um, uh, Tony Jaa's sequences. Just going back on the Expendables point, I think you're right. And I think it is this sort of, the, I think because of the way that the fight scenes are presented in Expendables, if they were to do a Jet Li style Kung Fu sequence, it almost feels like that. <laughs> as much as you've got Jet Li in your film, that's what the audience is expecting. You know, obviously, would that fit into that type of uh, that type of film? Do you, do you see what I mean? So I wonder if Stallone mm-hmm. was just like, no, this isn't because I know Stallone has has called out you know fight choreographers in the past to just say no, that isn't that isn't right. It's that we're going to strip this right back. That's too much choreography almost, you know, um, and, you know, we'll go with, you know, this, this style instead. So, um, so yeah, maybe that's, that is part, partly the reason for that. Well, I mean, and we've, we've kind of talked about it, but I don't, I want to, I want to give it, um, it's, uh, it's, it's due and it's credit that it deserves. Yeah. Um, Michael J. White does get a, uh, um, a final fight with uh, Tony Joswell. Um, basically, uh, all the w- we see it as an audience, but all the characters discover that uh, Tony Jaw, or excuse me, that uh, Michael J. White, sorry, that he is a dirty FBI agent, and uh, he and Tony Jaw get a uh, a really cool uh, fight sequence as well. What's What's awesome about this is again we get to see Tony Jaw doing what he does best and using his signature style, but then it's just it's c- kind of like what we keep going back to with uh, with. Dolph Lundgren and just how selfless he is with this film. I mean, yeah. yes, he is the lead, but yeah, he's gonna, 
he's going to kind of, you know, play ringleader to this, uh, to this entire production and kind of, you know, make his own little expendables, if you will, and let everybody kind of have their, their moment to shine. But it's just really cool. We get to see, um, Michael Jai White show off his fighting style and go against Tony Ja. And it is completely different than, uh, than Dolph's fighting style, but it is still just another, really well choreographed uh, sequence because again, no close-ups really. I mean, the camera really, really leans back to show their, uh, their prowess and what they can do. Yeah. I, I, I love that sequence because of the, again, conflicting styles. But having said that, you know, Mike always amazes me because he's so, you know, he's got the muscles and he's very sort of like, you know, you, but you think, you think how elegant and graceful his kicks are, the precision on his kicks as well. Uh, is just wonderful. Uh, so he's doing all this amazing uh, kicks as well as having that sort of brute strength. There's a wonderful bit where Tony Jar does one of his kicks and he just sort of pushes his stomach against and just sort of, you know, as if like, you know, there's no, it has no impact on him whatsoever, just in, in defending himself. So, you know, I, lo- I love that. I love the bit where um, during the fight scene, they move inside a sort of interior uh, tracking shot where Tony Jaa is sort of leaping through, uh, you know, these shelving units and all this other paraphernalia that there is within that set. Whereas uh, Mike's just sort of using his strength to push everything aside and, you know, sort of storming through as Tony Jaa's, you know, balletically and gracefully leaping over, um, you know, all the, all the, um, sort of elements within that, within that room. I, you know, it's a very, it's another good standout moment. And I, I would imagine, you know, Michael Joe White being, you know, a trained dedicated martial artist that he is, he probably signed on to do this film purely to do that fight scene. (laughs) I would imagine. I think he probably thought, Yes, I get to go to Thailand to make a film with Tony Jaa. Then, yeah, absolutely, I will. I, I will do that. And as a footnote, we should say there's a Never Back Down film. Uh, I don't know if it's the second one or the third one. It escapes me now, Sean. But Tony Jaa is in is has that sort of strange cameo in in one of uh, one of those sequels, which are very very good films. Uh, and I forget which one. It may have been around this time actually. Uh, and I'm wondering if they're again similarly. You know, where the man will rise, there may have been like, oh yeah, well I'll I'll be in I'll I'll be in this movie and play the bad guy. But Tony Jar, do you have you know a spare day? Can you can you be in my movie as well? So um, so I thought I'd just add that as a little footnote. I'd, I'd have to Google whether it's the same. <laughs> I think it's never back down to it could be the third one. I'm not too sure, but um, uh, yeah, Tony Jar is in is in one of those. Well, and I mean, can we just say too? I love the fact that he's just. <laughs> having this completely knocked down fight scene while wearing a three piece suit. Well, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not a three piece. He does remove the coat, but he yeah. is still wearing his tie and his, um, and, and, and the vest, if you will. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just so, it, I mean, look, when he comes on screen for the first time, okay. And he is wearing that three piece suit or whatever, you can just see that he's busting out of the suit. Yeah, like you can see that he's so, yeah. he's so jacked that he's just, and so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's not going to be playing the nebbish FBI agent who's going to be, yeah. you know, <laughs> on the sidelines. For this. Yeah, he's not working in accounts, is he, for the FBI, let's be honest, you know, if he's working out and bul- bulking up that much. But yeah, I would say, and obviously, you're right, uh, he gets to say, you know, in every film where they have to say the, the title of the film, he does get to say, uh, you, 
you really think you're going to stop the skin trade. <laughs> I remember that I know, line because yeah. <laughs> it was a great line. Yeah, very good. And if we look at the third act of the film, I mean, this is Dolph truly delivering what fans want. Um, I think the third act of this film is really, really cool, which, again, is kind of in stark contrast and juxtaposition with the um, with the social statement that the film is trying to make that I want to get to here in a minute. But I, I mean, look, I think the third act of the film is really cool. And again, I think it's delivering, um, it's Dolph delivering what his fans want. I mean, he's running around uh, in a tank top in, in the final act, which is kind of, which is kind of cool. He destroys a couple vehicles with a rocket launcher. He then uses a couple AK 47s to, uh, eliminate many of the henchmen. He's then able to shoot down a helicopter that Victor was using to try and escape. It is just all so well done. And again, going back to what I said earlier, considering it's a $9 million budget with 40 days to shoot. I mean, it is all on screen. And again, you know, comparing this to some of the previous films that um, I've, I've sat through and done episodes on, this is all so welcome. This all appears like a real theatrical movie. I mean, it just, it, it, it's so well done. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is the thing because you've, you're seeing all these films in sequence. It would be, uh, it would be interesting to see where this um, compares in, in, in the, in the context, the wider context, I guess, of, of, of Dove's filmography. But um, yeah, I would say also, I mean, I, I feel like there are some CGI moments in there. I think some of the explosions maybe towards the end were a bit like, mm, is that, uh, <laughs> did that happen? Uh, but, but I would just say, I think it very, yeah, it is, it's very convincingly done at least. Um, and, you know, that, that final sequence, we should say, I mean, Yes, an exploding helicopter. But can we? I mean, it's the ultimate spoiler. But um, how how does how does he survive? How did he survive that? <laughs> um, oh yeah, was uh, was yeah. It's very dubious, isn't it? It's very interesting. But anyway, because what what this film what this film is doing is it's saying okay, Ron Perlman is our main bad guy. Dolph yeah. needs to have a one on one hand to hand combat scene with him as well. And what's interesting, I mean. Look, we've we had some amazing fight scenes throughout the film. We had Dolph versus Tony Jaw. We had um, uh, Tony Jaw versus Michael Jai White, and then Tony Jaw got to you know kick the asses of all these other people. And again, I want to stress the the restaurant scene with with Dolph shotgunning um, all of those dirty attorneys was was really pretty cool as well. But it's interesting this final fight with um uh, between Dolph and Ron Perlman is a little lackluster because I, I wonder if at, at the core of it is um it's essentially two pretty old guys, I think we can yep. say. And so they cannot, maybe maybe more so Ron Perlman, I don't know, but they cannot do what the other guys can do. And so the final fight is a little, um, I don't know, it's a little lackluster. They're more or less just kind of grabbing each other and kind of fighting over the placement of a knife, if you will. Yeah. Um, but Cassidy is able to get the upper hand on him. He is stabbed by Dragovich, but then he's able to take that knife and he, what, plunges it into the chest of, uh, of, of Dragovich. And it's interesting. I mean, here we get a really, really big twist that is revealed 
pretty late in the film, which I want to get your take on. But uh, Dragovich tells Cassidy that his daughter, Sophia, was not actually killed. Um, so spoiler alert, um, but was instead sold into the human trafficking trade. But, um, yeah. un, you know, um, Dragovich is he's a, he dies, unfortunately, before he's able to uh, give the whereabouts of where um, his daughter was. But uh, but yeah, that's that's a pretty interesting uh, move to get revealed that late. It is. It's more of an emotional hit than an obviously a big sort of punch up, a physical sort of hit at the end there, isn't it? And it's such a dark thing to say. Just he's so unapologetic, isn't he? He says he's basically saying, yeah, well, you know, we've kidnapped your daughter and you'll never find her. And I think he dies sort of like smiling, doesn't he? It's like Mm -hmm. it's pretty twisted and horrible. You bet you'll never see your daughter again. Sophia, right? Yeah, and then obviously that then leads into potentially, I mean, I don't know, Sean, was the intention for this film for it to sort of leave that hanging so that there was a skin trade too and then he goes off to try and find his daughter? I don't, I'm surprised that they sort of added that element. But I guess the thing is you you need to end on some hope because it's such a bleak subject. It's such a bleak subject, isn't it? If If they'd gone down... Uh, I mean, how else would they have they have ended it? I guess you need to you need to have some, yeah, some hope. I guess at the at the end. Yeah, I mean that that, that was in my notes as well. Is just yeah. th- that's a ballsy ending. I mean, yeah. that, that's just yeah. such a ballsy ending. I mean, you would think if you're going to compare this with a film like uh, like Taken, for example. I mean, that's the yeah. easy obvious comparison. You you almost would think that we'd get a happy ending where Dolph is reunited with his daughter, but no, it's, it's very, very ballsy for Dolph to end this film this way, where um, basically everything is okay with Tony jaw and his character, but the film ends where Dolph is, um, he, he says goodbye to Tony jaw. He gives them a picture of his daughter, Sophia. He asks them to keep it until he finds her. And then he just sets out in search of his daughter on his own. And the film just, ends that way. And so, man, it's, it's like I said, it's ballsy that in a film about human trafficking, where that is at the forefront that, um, that the film was going to end this way. I mean, I wanted to, I guess, okay, let's get to that aspect. Okay. Because the film, the film does end with a caption. Okay. Where it states that uh, 20, 20 to 30 million are trafficked uh, worldwide annually and estimated 90% of sex trafficking victims are women and children, which, okay. We we've, we've kind of talked about it, Ben, but I want to, I mean, that, that that's, I think what's at the, uh, the forefront of this film. That's what the, at the crux of the film. Okay. It begs the question that I wanted to get your take on. Yeah. 
how do I go about this? Because it is such a delicate subject matter. I know, I, I know. Feel, you know what I mean? Yeah. But okay, at and, the and actually, Sean, I would also say that there's probably we should give Dolph some credit, even for attempting to bring a subject like this oh, yeah. to light in in a film. You bearing in mind the audience, he knows his audience as well. He's yeah. trying to get a message across in in a way that he would not lose his audience, but he can also get a very important message um, uh, across there. So, so he does, I mean, he should be applauded, I guess, for even, because how many of these action movies do we watch? And it is just, you know, it's, 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 it's action, you know, and then they might throw in, you know, nudity or whatever, you know, the, the, you know, the sort of uh, um, elements of a lot of these films but he is trying at least to try and make some kind of statement here so i, I guess he does need to be applauded for that oh most definitely i mean yeah i mean and for him to take something that he was so heavily invested in not only make a film about it but also um really make him an activist for this yeah. subject matter. Yeah. i mean he he participated in a documentary on the subject called stopping traffic that is yeah. available and so yeah i mean he's just i mean th- this is something that is very near and dear to him so yeah we gotta applaud him for that but i mean it, this isn't the first film the, the first action film to come cr- to kind of dabble in in making a social statement okay dolph lundgren did this previously back in the late 90s he did a film called sweepers which was, uh, uh, you know, tackling the subject of landmines in uh, in Africa, and then of course Steven Seagal. <laughs> Steven <Yeah>. Seagal. Um, <clears throat> he did the film. It's environmental. On, oh yeah, yeah. He did the yeah. film uh, on deadly ground, which um, yeah. you know, is bringing attention. Uh, the oil spill disasters in Alaska. He later did Fire Down Below, where he's talking about toxic waste dumping. So it's not the first film to take a very real and a very, a very important social issue and kind yeah. of, you know, bring awareness to that, but also bring in some action and fight sequences and things of that nature. But at the heart, at the, at the crux of this film is a, a very, like we said earlier, a very real and very troubling subject matter of, uh, yeah. of human trafficking. And if you want to compare that, if you want to compare that to, uh, to the oil spill disasters in Alaska, I mean, it, you, you could kind of say, okay, well, which one is certainly more disturbing De- depending yeah. on your sentimentalities? I, I don't know, but I guess that, that's what I wanted to ask you about is, do you think this film does a good job in bringing awareness to the situation because it's a very tricky thing to do, it is. especially it in really an action is. movie. It's very, yeah, very yeah. tricky. But, but what do you think? Do you think it does a good job? Well, in that? The, the danger is if you use that as a backdrop for a revenge story, then the danger you run is that you're essentially triv- trivializing, you know, what is a very serious subject. Uh, and it's a very fine line, I would say. Uh, and as we've already mentioned the some of the sequences in this film you do have to question the intention is this titillation essentially and and what is essentially using a serious subject as a part of a wider exploitation movie <laughs> which is what this at times sort of veers into i i would i would argue and we should also say i saw an interview with dolph where he was talking about this movie and even he admitted his direct quote is i'm not sure if the result is perfect that's the producer and star of his own movie he says that in one of the press junkets 
He also says he, they tried, they tried as best as they could. This skin trade is a kind of a tricky film because it's such an intense and serious subject matter. Yeah. How do you balance finding the action and not taking it too seriously? Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't know if we, you know, we try to do a good job. I don't know if, we were, if it was perfect, you know. I think that, you know, once you're dealing with this type of real subject matter and you're talking about women being brutalized and raped and, and uh, taken away from their families, you know, and you're trying to also make a film that's going to entertain the masses, you can bring the message out to people. It's, it's difficult. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, I'm not sure if, if the result is perfect. I think that, you know... I think it's pretty good. I think that a lot of people can enjoy the action. I think at the end of the picture, because of the ending, you, you kind of walk away thinking a little bit about the subject matter. It's a bit more disturbing than other movies, perhaps in the genre, but I, I think that's good. I wanted it that way, because mm -hmm. that way, two or three years from now, you'll still remember the movie. It won't just be another action film that you saw. But ultimately, you know, it's an action film, and if you're trying to make a statement, it is going to be compromised because of you know, the market and the things that you're you're trying to to deliver as well. So again, I think it's slightly misguided as a film. I think Dolph probably does need to be applauded for even attempting to um to tackle that subject. Uh but you you kind of think that is that the right genre to tell a serious story about human trafficking? I would argue probably not. <laughs> it's a very serious subject, and there's probably a better way to to approach that subject, I would say, than, than a film like Skin Trade. That's me being as diplomatic <laughs> as I possibly can be, because there's a lot of elements to this film as a martial arts movie fan. If we just park the the um, you know the human trafficking angle to this film as a as a genre fan, as an action movie fan, I think there is actually a lot to enjoy for this film. Um, but yeah, it's that central conflict, isn't it, at the heart of the story that that I'm not sure they quite quite get it right. But I don't know, Sean. What do you what do you think? Well, it's interesting because I think you know if you want to play devil's advocate, people could be listening to this and they could be thinking, well, wait a minute here, Taken, okay, uh, you know, tackled tackled the same thing, okay, yeah. and. Taken was a huge hit. It spawned multiple sequels. I mean, and it it uh, reignited uh, uh, Liam Neeson's career. I mean, and it was it was just this huge hit. And I think the big difference between the two is with the film Taken. Yes, it is present in that particular film. The subject of human trafficking is in the film, and it is it is a uh, element of it. I think we can say. But what's interesting about it is, and I'm gonna have to go back through, and I'm gonna have to. Uh, watch it again but i don't remember the characters really acknowledging that um that it's human trafficking that, that you know what i mean that that, that liam Neeson's yeah. daughter was involved in this trade and that is what was going on for for all intents and purposes he went to paris to simply find his daughter he kicked ass and you know beat a ton of people up killed a ton of people to get his daughter back and his daughter happened to be involved in this um very very disturbing and and uh, uh, uh problematic um aspect i i think we yeah. can say what's also interesting about about uh, a film like taken is there are not scenes in taken that kind of jeopardize 
the action. Okay, there there are not scenes in Taken where the characters visit a uh, a sex club like they do in this yeah. particular film. There there is not a scene in Taken where they they go to a a low rent uh, movie producer who's making a film um, and 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 kind of show that. And so. You, you know what I mean? You know, you kind of see what I'm saying here. Like, so I do absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that that's, you know, that's the tricky, that's the that's the tricky juxtaposition, and it, and it dates back to, um, you know, gosh, the the B movies of old, you know, and the, uh, you know, it is a, it is it is quite a, a dated uh, way of telling a a story or at least then it looks as if well you know we can use this very serious subject as a way of you know sneaking in more exploitative content within within the film and i yeah as far as i remember taken i don't think that was the tone of it at all Uh, i don't remember any sequences where as a viewer as a viewer you watch skin trade and it's quite uncomfortable because you're you know you're aware of what the this the story is or the backdrop to this story but yeah you're watching these like extended long lingering shots in thai strip clubs and you're like what's happening here even selena yeah. jade's character the way she's sort of d- dressed up as the she works as a waiter in in one of these uh nightclubs and you're like gosh but she's obviously the love interest as well and there's this uh, sequence involving her, as you say, with this sort of camera um, sort of uh, sequence where you're like, gosh, is this like a rape scene? Is it supposed to be, is this supposed to be horrific? Because it's not being filmed, the tone of it's not quite right. I'm not sort of uh, seeing this, the, the sense of this scene. So, so you know, there's, a, there's just a few sequences and its treatment of women, I would say just in general in this film, uh, is is certainly uh yeah it's quite it's it's problematic as a yeah and and just the idea of these this the story being essentially you know a very male driven you know simplistic view of a, a very serious subject oh well you know these guys can just go in and sort of solve this <laughs> you know with this gung-ho uh vi- there's nothing that a load of violence wouldn't um wouldn't solve whereas actually it's obviously a much more complex issue than that um, but anyway, that might be me just reading it as maybe taking it too seriously, Sean. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it is a tricky, it's a fine line, isn't it? That's, that's all I would say with, with that. Well, okay. So h- here we are. Okay. The moment has come. I'm curious. Yeah. Okay. Um, and again, Ben, I gotta, I gotta thank you so, so much for, um, not only agreeing to come back on, but agreeing to, uh, to discuss a film that, uh, you were not particularly high on the first time yeah. doing it. So I guess, Okay, as you because uh, this is now the second time that you've seen it, um, would you, would you give this film a recommend, or better yet, do you still stand by your review when you first uh, saw this film in 2015? So this is, I mean, because obviously, so Kung Fu Movie Guide, the the website is where I sort of host all my rev- reviews as well, and I do an associated podcast. Well, the podcast stemmed from doing the website, and then an offshoot of that, and interviewing people, talking to people in the in in the genre. And it's always fascinating to go back because that was obviously my initial reaction when I first saw the film, and I was disappointed with the film, absolutely. But I never go back and, you know, change anything. That was the view. It's out there. It's in the world. If you want to read it, then you certainly can. But I do think there's value in revisiting films with the benefit of hindsight. Because what, you know, over the years, you you do view, you can 
you know, you view films differently and it, depending on what you bring to it as well. You know, now I'm a bit older. This film has been around a little while. You know, you've seen the developments in Tony Jaa's career and Dolph's career and so on and so forth. Um, I think the issues that I have explained here, I'll try to explain, uh, I think are still very much, uh, you know, evident in the film. Um, the question is, does it hamper your enjoyment? Well, yeah, I'd certainly say there's there's issues with this film that are problematic. If you can park that element to it, I would certainly say that there's enough to enjoy here as a martial arts, a fan of martial arts films. You you get a really good fight scene between Tony Jaa and Dolph, really enjoyed that. And the fight scene with Michael Jai White is definitely uh, really good. The overall performance of Tony Jaa, I think, is is strong, actually, despite what um, you might read on the internet. I think he does does a good job. Uh, and, yeah, as you say, just making the money go as far as it can. It's a convincing action revenge thriller with some pretty, you know, within its budget, it actually achieves quite a lot, I would say. So in a roundabout way, I would say a strong, I sort of do agree, actually, with a lot of the sentiment in that initial review. Maybe I was a bit initially uh, unfair uh, on on some of the some of the elements to it, particularly in relation to the action. But I would say, yeah, go, you know, with a few caveats, there are there are there is still quite a bit to enjoy um, with this with this movie. Do you think that's a fair uh, uh, summation, Sean? Oh, that, that's actually that's actually exactly what I was going to say I, in, in yeah, so many yeah, ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for me personally, you know, um, this is a top 20 Dolph Lundgren vehicle um, because it's Dolph doing everything that he does and that fans expect. I mean, he gets to kick major ass, not just by blasting away the villains, but also really displaying his martial arts abilities. Um, at the point when this film was made, Dolph was in his late fifties, but he certainly yeah. proves that he's still got it. He also gets some scenes where he really gets to act in a moat, which I think is, is great to see, not just for fans, but I think for the casual movie viewer, I think anybody who, uh, who looks at these, uh, be, these big action guys, especially Dolph Lundgren and thinks, Oh, all he can do is simply carry a big, gun and that's about it i'd say you know look at his performance in this film there there are some moments where he really uh he really emotes yeah. as a film i would say like, like we talked about earlier i think this is a top tier direct video action movie the money is on the screen i think everyone involved delivers something that uh doesn't look cheap like so many of the other films that permeate the uh the direct video market and i think if you can get past the the disturbing uh, human trafficking element that uh, takes center stage uh, of this particular film. I think uh, there is something there for um, fans of uh, action and martial arts cinema to enjoy. Um, I I would also say, you know, what's interesting about this is I would say that if it makes someone who's perhaps maybe a little unfamiliar with the horrors of human trafficking, you know what I mean? Like, so the, the casual uh, martial arts uh, viewer who turns this film on and, you know, really is kind of naive, I guess, to this very real and uh, very problematic uh, subject matter that I think needs to be addressed and needs to be handled and dealt with. Um, If it opens their eyes to that, then I would say that uh, I think the film has done its job, which was very clearly one of the intents of the film. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I know you said, I forget the name of it now, but Dolph Lundgren does outreach work with CAST, doesn't he? So that's the Coalition to Abolish Slavery and Trafficking. And that's an LA-based um, non-profit designed to help human trafficking. I believe he actually did a screening for CAST, didn't he? So that was one of its initial, in the you know, before its sort of main theatrical release, I think he did screen it for, for, for CAST. So, yeah, as you say, it's a subject that's clearly close to Dolph. And, you know, actually with the involvement, he wanted, obviously, you know, an organisation like that to see it first to show, you know, this is this was the intention i guess with this with this movie so yeah you've got a you you got a you know hats off to Dolph for for, for doing that and, and being passionate to um you know work on on a movie with that subject matter i'm curious sean you said this is top 20 Dolph. so what's what is your um what would be your top what's your top tier Dolph then my <laughs> my top tier doll. I, I like to refer to his top tier as pretty much being everything that he put out in his quote unquote golden run. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. and I and I think and I think that's with to be perfectly honest. It's not just Lundgren, but I think it's with any action star. To be perfectly yeah. honest, the the films that they do early in the career that kind of leave their stamp, if you will, that kind of get yeah. them known. I think those are forever going to be their. Uh, their most noticeable and their best. And so I kind of look at um, the films that he did from 85. So of course, Rocky four, but all the way up to uh, uh, 1992 with universal soldier. Those are the films, the films that he did within that period. Those are the ones that, um, he's best known for and he's forever, perhaps gonna forever be best known for. However, I think, you know, no, or after that period, though, he did a few films that are absolutely amazing that kind of went under the radar that not many people know about. Um, Men of War is, I would say that's one of his true shining achievements. Um, he did another one, Silent Trigger. And then there's a few others kind of uh, in the uh, early 2000s that um, have a lot going for them. The Defender yeah. is pretty cool. And obviously, you know, we, we can, you know, go on quite a bit, but that's in my, uh, in my opinion, but you know, what's interesting. And I was taught, we talked about this on, uh, on the podcast in previous episodes, but you know, post expendables. And I hate saying this. I really, really do on the, on the Dolph Lundgren podcast, but post expendables, Dolph became a workhorse where, I mean, if you look yeah. at his filmography, my God, I mean, he just yeah. put out tons of, tons of stuff. And to be perfectly honest, not a lot of it is, is very good. I mean, if I'm going to be frank, not a lot of it is very good with the exception of skin trade. I mean, he did this film in that period there um, that I think rises above all of those other ones. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's, you've got a bit of a challenge now, I guess, moving through, <laughs> sifting through some of that stuff, I guess, over the next uh, few years after skin trade. But, you know, but, but would you agree though? He's, he's enjoyed a bit of a renaissance just generally, uh, you know, probably since the expendables, I would say, uh in you know his work in is obviously in aquaman as well and then he brought ivan drago back for creed 2 you know he's he's in the he's in the culture again a lot more than mm-hmm. than than he he was which is more than actually can be said for for quite a few of those sort of big action stars in the you know in the in the 80s and 90s i mean you know you, as a yeah. fan you must be happy to see you know dolph when he does crop up in these you know these big mainstream movies that's always exciting isn't it well, you know, it's it's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. But it's 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 really almost fascinating in a sense. He was always kind of in the uh, in the shadows, if you will, of uh, of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And nowadays, I would argue, 
especially Arnold Schwarzenegger, I would say in a lot of ways, he's almost bigger nowadays yeah. than, uh, than, than Schwarzenegger is, yep. which is, uh, which is pretty exciting. And also, I mean, the other cool thing about it is I remember being a fan of his as a, as a little kid and, you know, eagerly going to the video store and combing the, the new releases, hoping for a new Dolph Lundgren film. I mean, this is yeah. when the, when the internet was in its infancy and he really didn't do interviews. I mean, if you look yeah. at him throughout the throughout the '90s, late '90s, and early 2000s, pretty much all we ever saw of Dolph was the the new film that hit the uh, the video store shelves. I mean, we rarely saw him do an interview. Now he's everywhere. He's in commercials. Yeah. He's always hitting interviews. I mean, and so it's really kind of cool. I mean, you said it resurgence. I mean, but yeah, he's had. I mean, he had a little bit of a comeback after uh, after Expendables in 2010, but after Creed two, I mean, he has, uh, he's really been striking while the iron's hot and not all of the films on that, uh, yeah. on that CV, I think are, are amazing. But the fact that he's still at it is commendable for so many reasons. Yeah. And he's, he's obviously he's hardworking, but he seems like, you know, such a, um, if he's dedicated to a project and he will put in the time obviously to do press, to promote the projects that he's passionate about. I think that's, you know, skin trade is obviously one of those because he puts a lot of time into uh, promoting that movie. Uh, and even the films he directs, I think he's underrated as a director as well. And even Castle Falls, I went back and heard some, I know you had Mike uh, Fury on for, for Castle Falls. That was, that was really good to listen back to, but yeah, I feel the same as Mike. I think that was a great, a great movie. And, you, you know, someone as, as big as Dolph who's making, you know, working with Stallone or, you know, he's, he's, he's cropping up in these bigger movies. He is still more than happy to, you know, scrape the pennies together and make low budget martial arts films. I mean, I have to commend him for that. It's, it's clearly the martial arts in particular is something he's clearly passionate about and is advocated for, for all, you know, so much of his life. He's still dedicated to it and he's still dedicated to putting in the time to, to make movies, you know, featuring, featuring martial arts as well. So, you know, as, as a fan, I, you know, I've got a, yeah, a lot of, a lot of time for, a lot of time for Dolph. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because if you look at, um, if you look at a guy like say Sylvester Stallone, who has, uh, yeah. you know, who has dominated these, you know, huge multi-million dollar budget productions. Okay. And then when you see him do something that is a little lower budget, you're kind of like, oh man, like that, that's pretty weak. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? But then, but then if you look at a guy like Dolph Lundgren, I mean, this is a dude who has dominated and, I'd say in a lot of ways, pretty much 95% of his career has existed in that kind of low budget realm. So then when he gets yeah. control of a film like Castle Falls, for example, he also has a new one right now that, uh, that he just finished filming, I think called Wanted Man. Okay. When he gets the reins on something like that, yes, it is of a low budget, but I think because he's been in that world for as long as he has, he's a guy who's like, you know what? I know how to make this look good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I know that we're, you know, kind of scraping pennies together. I, but in the end, I know, uh, I know how to, you know, kind of position the camera and, you know, what few dollars we may, we may have and not saying, you know, I don't want to mitigate these productions by any means, but I think he's a guy who knows, you know what, let's put a lot of this toward the action here or toward this shootout sequence, yeah. which I mean, yeah, he's a smart guy and uh, yeah, so. he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just quickly, Showdown in Little Tokyo. That's that's pretty high up in your uh, in your Dolph um, 
uh, list, isn't it? Surely it must be. That's, that's in the, the golden, golden run. Yeah, that's the golden period. Yeah. So. yeah, that's a great movie. <laughs> this has been a ton of fun. Again, thank you very, very much. Um, before I let you go, I want to give you the opportunity to plug anything that uh, that you're working on. Obviously, we have the Kung Fu Movie Guide um, website and then the podcast as well. Um, is there is there anything else that you want to plug or mention or what's going uh, on? Not, yeah, not really, Sean. I mean, you know, thank you so much, first of all, for inviting me back. This is uh, this has been great fun. It's always good to, uh, you know, revisit some of the uh, <laughs> the Dolph classics and, and catch up with you, Sean. Um so yeah, the podcast will be back. I'm just sort of planning out a few sort of guests for the next season. Currently, it's just been on uh, a sort of extended hiatus, I suppose, for the first um, half of the year. But um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things, and you probably feel this as well, Sean. It's one of those itches you've you've sort of got to scratch. You can't step away from it for too long, even if it does. Um, take quite a bit of time obviously and then you know you go in and do the editing and all this sort of stuff and then the promotion of it as well and all that so it's nice to take a break uh every now and again but yeah sort of eager to get get back um get back up and running with it and you know chat to uh a lot of the big uh you know the stars and the the people who you know work on these these great movies you know uh so yeah more more to follow there do visit the website kungfumovieguide.com uh we're on social media as well instagram twitter facebook um do do check all that out but yeah thank you so much sean for inviting me back on this is this has been amazing yeah well hey thank you uh next time uh hopefully uh hopefully we'll pick a film that maybe uh you were a little higher on but uh maybe here in the next three years like the next three years i can get you back on so thank you yeah yeah absolutely and listen best of luck with the rest of the the run as well so um you know you're near you're nearly there with it aren't you i guess um yeah so yeah best best of luck with it sean all right well hey ben thank you very very much uh to everyone out there who is listening please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews. And we'll see you all next time on I Must Break, this podcast. 